You are listening to Something Rather Than Nothing. Creator and host, Ken Vellante. Editor and producer, Peter Bauer. This is Ken Vellante with the Something Rather Than Nothing podcast and have another fascinating guest for you, um, Bex Carlos. And I encountered Bex uh, on the East Spooky Tales, uh, a great podcast with uh, Christina and MJ. That was an April 14th, 2023 episode called Ghost Stories, Tequila, and More with Bex of Tutia Pruja. And um, the reference there is to uh, Bex Carlos, who we have, and her podcast, which I also enjoy very much, to Tia Bruja. Welcome to the show, Bex. Thank you for having me, Ken. I'm so excited. And I'm always fascinated to find out like how people find me. So that's the... I know. Amazing. I, I, she's so great. And ju- it was a pleasure to be on her show. So I'm excited that you listened to it. And, you know, we're going to probably expand a little bit on the stories from there and just, you know, whatever else comes up. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate that. That's a, such a great podcast and I really enjoy uh, your podcast. Um, one cool thing uh, is I know there's an episode or two that that's in Spanish and um, just recently over the last couple years, I've realized that um, I have a great, a much greater understanding of Spanish having listened, l- listening to it and understanding conversations, even in my work as a union rep. Um, uh, and, and realizing that it's uh, more towards uh, speech. And, and so I have a personal goal to get where I can uh, bring up my uh, speaking of Spanish. Uh, but I listened to the episode in Spanish, really, in, uh, really enjoyed it and, and enjoyed the show. So about uh, E Spooky, um, just, I, uh, just, just great um, stories that uh, Christina and MJ uh, bring about from uh, different. Uh, from different regions of of the Americas, and again, that's where I encountered uh, you on the show, and uh, was just really surprised to see the amount of audio work that that you've done, like podcast work of of you know putting together um, other podcasts um, such as Balanced Black Girl. That's what she did, dear Franny, and I was like, whoa, <laughs> like there there's a whole bunch you've done around audio and about podcasts, but um. Starting with podcast specs, uh, what's going on with podcasts right now? Everybody's talking about them. I think every uh, anybody below the age of thirty, about half of those folks will have listened to a podcast, at least one podcast in a month. What what about podcasting excites you? Why do you do it? So I have to go back because like, even before I did podcasts, I had about, I worked in commercial radio for like seven years. Uh, I went to school knowing that I wanted to do that for at least a time in my life, because I think I have so many memories of my dad. Like he was, um, he worked for a union, he worked for the Ford plant. So like be like working on cars and being in cars and running to like get parts for said cars, like always involved music. And I feel like that was a way that I bonded with my father and audio was just always something very important to me. I speak two languages, you know, I feel like, um, through time and just life experience, I've gained that like audio is the form of like oral storytelling that we can continue. So, uh, I, you know, I, I had this whole foundation and then like the radio thing didn't really work out in the way that I wanted. And so that's sort of how I fell into podcasting. It was just sort of like, 
I got to figure it out. It's funny enough. I was going, um, to my first trip to Europe. Well, I guess technically my second, because the first time I went to Ireland, but the second one, I was going to explore like a bunch of different places and I had to accumulate the money for that. And I was like, Oh my God, how am I going to fund this trip? And I had joined this podcasting group, um, that it, it's called, uh, women of color podcasting, WOC, uh, podcasting. And it started because there were Spotify had, offered uh oh we're trying to get like some different applications in for like more diversity uh we would love to hear back and you know there were maybe like 18 slots and thousands of podcasts oh my goodness yeah like thousands and so it was just like wow there's this big need this big like mesh of because you know in this group it was all types of of diversity it was like black women and it was like latin and mexican women there were you know people who were who were of asian descent there were you know just so many different types of people and it was just so amazing because in this group like a lot of us started networking and working with each other and it's it's funny you mentioned cuz sometimes i forget all of the podcasts i've worked at on at this point because at the time it was just like a right place, right time. I made so many connections to this day. You know, I still interact with a lot of those people who, even if they're not specifically, you know, um, in a space to want to work with me, they help make those connections. Like, Hey, I know somebody, this person, this person. And, um, you know, that was in 20, 2018. And so it's been, what, like five years or so. So it's been, it's been kind of just a wild ride of just like, I will do it. Like, yes. Uh, because I've worked freelance, you know, and I'm in the Midwest and I don't get the same opportunities sometimes that like the people on the coast do just because there's so much more focus on like culture and art and, you know, um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah I, I just, I manifested it. I made it happen for myself. <laughs> yeah, that's that. That's great to hear. And thanks for spending some more time to talk about your your, your previous work there. And uh, yeah, I, I was just startled. Uh, you know, you hear about these things, the amount of applications, you know, for these type of slots, and sometimes just the sheer numbers tell you the story of, um, you know, folks who uh, who got a lot of great stories to tell, or great programming, or, or great history to tell, or or politics or whatever they have to say. And, uh, it's like, give us some space. Like <laughs> let's crowd into this. I mean, 18 slots would be like, well, let's start with, you know, 800 so we can get, you know, the top stuff, <laughs> you know, but, uh, really, uh, really great to hear how you went into it. And you, um, uh, you mentioned the Midwest, uh, St. Louis area. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I made it to St. Louis once and I was uh, so impressed by the, uh, art museum there. Um, and was, I remember being startled at the time cause I didn't know that one of my favorite painters, Max Beckman. Oh, had, there's so many Beckmans. Oh my God. It, it's like, I, I, I gotta tell you Bex, I didn't know that I was a Beckman fan. I knew very little about St. Louis. I grew up in Rhode Island. Um, lived out in Wisconsin for quite some time and now out in Oregon. Um, but it was, it was just, I, I was there in like the atrium area and I'm looking around and it was like basically, you know, just being blasted by like your favorite painter all around you mm-hmm. when you had no idea that was going to happen. And it was oh, uh, divine timing. Oh my God. That's uh, amazing. I love that for you. Yeah, it was it was quite the blast. I also got a wolf tattoo in St. Louis, and that's the end of my brief 
St. Louis stories. But back to you, Bex. Um, uh, I, uh, I I wanted to ask you about your podcast, uh, which which I enjoy. Maybe you could tell um, listeners a bit more about it, and uh, and and about uh, identity in 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 the term bruja and how you uh, use that and what it means to the show. Sure. Uh, so yeah, I I host a show called Tutia Bruja, and it's interesting because I was. I think after observing and watching so many people like doing their podcasts and the stories that they told, I was just like, what am I really trying to do here? You know, like, what am I really? And so I was in Mexico and my cousins have kids, you know, like, um, and I guess it's not that weird. I'm in my thirties, but like my siblings, none of us have kids and by choice, like we love to travel and and I was visiting family in Mexico and I just was like, Oh my God, I'm someone's Thea. And it was just like this very like, Whoa, oh, that, like, that's moment. sweet. That's yeah. Sweet. Yeah. And, and it was, uh, I don't know. It made me realize that I'm so grateful for like, you know, just like the youth and the fact that they have so many different types of role models. And uh, because Bruja is such a, a scary word, such a taboo word still in Mexico, you know, like I have a lot of family members who, because I, and, and it's interesting because like my brujeria, if you know, is just about reconnecting with the things that gave me strength, like finding uh, the historical and relevant and cultural, you know, uh, power of my ancestors and how that applies to me. Like um, kind of circling back, I was on a spooky tales because my family is from the town of Tequila, Jalisco which is the birthplace of tequila. And when you're from a town that the, the main like thing export is, is alcohol, you know, it's a, uh, it's a very layered context, you know? Uh, yeah. And, and so like, I, and this is all relevant. I, I promise I'm getting to the point, but uh, I started like just learning so much about my ancestors, learning so much about myself. And I just started like everything started making sense in this thing, like divine timing. Um, if I if I were to say main character moment to you, do you know what that means? No, tell me exactly. So a main character moment is like a moment that just feels like you are the main character of like everything, you know. And, yeah. and you see that because like sometimes there'll be like certain songs that play, you know, in the background that really solidify like, Oh my God, there's like a soundtrack to everything that's happening. I love that. I love that. Yeah. It feels so surreal, you know? And, uh, so I just started having a lot of these finger quote, finger quote moments where everything's like, I feel like I'm doing exactly what I need to do, you know? And, uh, I, I'm the family member who I guess, struggles a little bit because I'm the artist, you know, like I'm creating and I'm figuring out things on my own terms and, and I'm creating on like, um, levels that feel right to me. And so, you know, with the podcast, I feel like I was like, I want to listen to a show where someone has this like aunt, you know, that essentially just talks about like, these are the things that she's learned. These are the things that she's gone through the lessons she's making that, you know, I, I talk to different people who are practitioners of magic in their own right, mostly focusing on the perspective of like women of color and marginalized people and, and queer people and how, you know, our magic works for us. And, uh, you know, it's been a wild ride with the show. I, 
I started it and it was weird because I also felt like the sense of responsibility because I was creating the sense of art for myself. Like I'm like, Oh yeah, this is going to be so cool. Like whatever, whatever. And it was right when um, George Floyd was murdered. And I felt this responsibility of like a lot of people are just feeling so much right now and they don't know how to be in service to others. And they don't necessarily know how to do that without asking black people to put in all the labor. Yeah. So it was, it felt like a moment where I could just be more so on the front lines. It's like, if you don't know what you need to do, like here are books you can read and here's like podcasts you can listen to and things where you're not just like bothering your black friends because they're potentially feeling a lot like, you know, and everyone felt what they felt, but that was just, they don't call it the summer of rage for nothing, you know? And right. Right. There's been so much stuff that's come out um, about that summer And uh, I don't know if you are always looking for podcasts, but there's a podcast called Alphabet Boys that talks about like uh, how the FBI put a plant in the Denver area and was trying to like rally up people. Yeah, I've I've heard about that. Now, there was a podcast that 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 did that. I heard about that dynamic of uh, that that infiltration. Yeah. Yeah, you should check it out if you haven't. But uh, yeah, I'm just, I don't know. And I you had mentioned before, I do a lot of social justice like work because I really just feel like all people in this country should have the same opportunities and life should not be made more difficult for them because of X, Y, Z. And the bottom line is this country has very much hidden in its fabric all of these ways that we perpetrate harm and we don't even realize it, you know? And I, I genuinely feel like people have good hearts and I genuinely feel like sometimes people are just so stuck on tradition and they've never asked questions, you know, about like, where does this come from or where does the origins of this? And, and, and I really do think that the thing that this country does well is keeping our, um, our citizens ignorant for their benefit, you know? And, uh, it's, it's unfortunate. And with the work that I do, it's really just about finding like power in ourselves and not so much relying on these um, exterior forces, these institutions to validate us. So that's what I do. And it's a lot of like unpacking and sometimes we cry a lot, you know? <laughs> so yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, no, I, I, I really appreciate really everything you had to say right there. And um, yeah, of crying in uh, in in release because it is a lot and I I think I think when you were talking I was I was thinking a lot about um, you know myself and and doing the show and how about my learning through this because I don't even I've done the show for uh, over four years and in a certain sense a very real sense for myself I don't even resemble the person I was when when I started it and I think the biggest change for me is the unraveling of my own, you know, quote unquote education, right? Like I I would consider myself like always on the right side of things, like in my own head, right? And other people would think so too as a collective uh, unionist and, um, and many other types of social justice work. But I felt in my learning recently that it still feels very much on the edge. And I come to the conclusion that the, there's a rotten core to this country that has to be worked out uh, somehow. And there's a lot of opening uh, in, in people asserting rights that always should have 
uh, had them and enjoy them. And there's a backlash, a, a huge conservative backlash against folks right now. And um, so it feels very real and raw. But one of the biggest things, um, and I had heard uh, on one of your episodes a, a reference to a fundraiser for uh, murdered and mis- missing indigenous uh, persons, uh, women, girls, and two spirits. And that was one of the learnings I've had on my show that I encountered, you know, I've done four or five episodes on that and was um, just really startled uh, and really just did not know the history and the depth of the crisis. Same thing for residential schools. So a lot of what I do in the conversations that I have, the, the, the gift that's given to me and talking to you and other folks is that there's always an unraveling. And when you're talking about, you know, that rage and, and frustration that I think still has to be worked out from George Floyd in that time and inspired you to make art and to become more active and figure out what to do. And I think we're all still trying to do that, but um, I just wanted to thank you for your work on that. And I just feel that um, uh, connection uh, to the question on uh, a Bruja and connecting it to some things I said um, related to uh colonialism i a, th- a thought that i've heard in in your show is kind of this shaming or, or or casting out with with terms you know that that can be used and i began to think about threads that you have of well what is it for indigenous uh, folks or thinking about the impacts of colonialism and thinking about things uh like uh a bruja brujeria and that those are radical challenges to things that are th- that are wrong. Am I off track here? Did I hear that? No, I, I feel like that's something that is uh, discussed on the show a lot is because there are, I, well, I have to be clear. I don't consider myself an indigenous person. Um, I, I've l- lately I've been saying I'm the descendant of, dis- of indigenous people. Uh, because Mexico, being from Mexico, Mexico has such a high population of people who are, you know, their, their genetic makeup is a large percentage indigenous, but I don't live of the lands that like my ancestors came from. Uh, and I live in like a country that is very, at least the area that I live is very disconnected from my culture. Cause there are parts of the United States that are very heavily influenced by the Spanish and all of that. But this is all to say, like, uh, I, I just feel like as a collective, there are so many issues that the indigenous people are going through collectively. You mentioned the effects of like residuals, the residential schools, and obviously like the fact that women and girls have been like trafficked and, you know, like it's, it's almost like they're for their property. And so the thing for me and like with my show is like with, with rechanneling, you know, that energy, I feel like I am so, I'm so educated on, on the fact that all these magical practices come in some way or another from indigenous tradition. So it's, it's kind of that thing, you know, that I see that people really love the, the aesthetics of like the culture and the traditions and the beliefs and the practices and all of this. And they have no intention of getting back connected to source you know, and like actively seeking out like directly how to do this. And, and I think a lot of that comes from 
not knowing, um, just not having the resources, you know, I really do feel, and maybe this is just me being hopefully hopeful about humanity. I really do feel like a lot of people don't intend to cause harm or hurt or whatever. Um, I, but I really do think that they don't know where to even start with some of the research. Um, but with, yes, I feel like Ruhidia is like a form of fighting colonialism because for a lot of people who are very disconnected, uh, Mexico, again, I'll give us an example, like has so much influence of the African, like traditional religions. Uh, it has so much influence from like the Spanish. It has so much influence from like the indigenous people. And it's all, you know, it's, it's this culture and and in some places, you know, obviously like uh, more in the Northern, there's a lot of like Jewish influence and depending on where you are in Mexico, the traditions are so different. And I think that regionally, all of these different people have traditions that they take part in. Um, I want to recommend a book if anybody hasn't checked it out. It's called Brujeria de Rancho, Mexican Source City, Brujeria de the Rancho, and it's by Laura Davila. And it talks about how a lot of people, you know, they really just used what they had. And for a lot of people, it's like, okay, well, I have all these spices, or I have these chiles, or I have these things. And they figured out how to have little rituals and, and ideas and like, you know, just to manipulate these, these items to be able to get this final result. And you know, I think magic is really about using what you have and really deeply just wanting it. Like it's, it's almost like a form of prayer, you know, with prayer, you really just put all your focus and energy into these thoughts and, and it's the same thing. And I, I could argue that I think that the Catholics are the biggest witches, but I won't, cause that's a whole different conversation. But uh, yeah, I think it's about using whatever resources that connect you to yourself and to spirit and, it's, it's difficult because brujería is one of those things, uh, being a bruja is to take all these different aspects of, of like life, I guess, and manipulate them for good or bad. Uh, and I feel like there are tons of people who do, you know, malevolent magic, but there's also a lot of just like non-witchy people who also wish for toxic people in their life or don't want for them to succeed so I don't know, I guess this is all to say, like, I'm trying to figure out ways to consciously uh, manipulate my reality to make it happen for me. No, I, 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 uh, I, I really enjoy your explanation, but back, back to Catholicism. All right. I, you grew up, ah, Catholic. we're going to have the conversation. I, no, I grew up Catholic. You grew up Catholic. And when, uh, you had an, uh, an, an episode, um, uh, with the, a gentleman done an extensive podcast on on the Exorcist, and mm-hmm. uh, hearing you talk about it, I could hear it in your voice. And many people that I've known in their voice of that just completely scaring the shit out of them on some like deep and in in and fundamental way. Yeah, um, I was so fascinated. I haven't got got through the. Uh, maybe you can mention. Um, I'm just. It's it's escaping me right now. The the name of the gentleman you had with the Church related connector. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, and um, what a marvelous exploration. I, I well, the one thing with the Exorcist is um, my dad had told me for decades to read the book, and he was like, and he's not a big book reader, and uh, he was like, you got to read it, you got to read it, you got to read it. I was like, yeah, and I'm reading everything. I read billions of books. And uh, 
I finally got around to it and I, 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 I adored the book. I found it deeply psychological, scary and, and everything. So everything around the exorcist was just so freaky and magnificent to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what about the exorcist? I, I feel like this is a pair, like a shared experience that so many people had. I, I watched it <laughs> too young. And yeah. Every time, every age is too young. I Maybe, but I also feel like, because I had to be somewhere around like seven, eight when I watched it. And I feel like it just deeply yeah. scared me on a level I didn't understand. And uh, I always had a fear of like being possessed. I, I mean, like, I guess maybe it's still there a little bit, but like for the most part, um, I I think I've overcome that fear, <laughs> uh, but I just really find the idea of the need for an exorcism just terrifying. Like, it's just scary. And so I feel like that was always one of those films that stuck with me. It's funny, my I, I do do episodes in Spanish as well, and I had one with my mom because my mom was terrified by the book, and my mom was just like, the movie was so lackluster. Like, it was just so over the top, <laughs> like the book is terrifying. The movie is just so, and, and based on her personality, I'm, I get it, you know? Uh, but it's just so funny to me that my mom was just like, it's mid, it's mid at best. Uh, but for me, it was so terrifying. And yeah, finding out later that all of those events happened from something that happened here, you know, was just like, Oh, like, why am I so close to the, the puzzle and yeah uh that episode with troy taylor if you know anybody is interested in like the work that i do or or just kind of the whatever i highly recommend that episode that's a good one yeah yeah the fact that he got to interview all of the key players including the kid himself that he was i mean he was a grown man but he passed probably in the last five years i believe so I don't know. I just always think that it's scarier when you can get to the source, to the root of, of everything. And in a place here like St. Louis, like it's so very hush hush and like, you'll hear about it, like, you know, and so it, it was nice after hearing so many different people be like, Oh, well my mom or, Oh, like my, my, you know, grandfather's friend or whatever had a connection or, or stayed near where the hospital was, or, you know, it's, it's, uh, the what is it the seven degrees of separation from kevin bacon it's like that yeah yeah the exorcist you know like the 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 st louis exorcist yeah that's um yeah it's 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 and thanks for placing it over there by you in my head um i uh lived in washington dc for a while in uh the georgetown area where they shot a film so i it's weird how you maybe with the film or the book and everything around that you're just going to end up placing it in different places and even the beginning of the film is the extended out in the desert i believe um of of the film itself so yeah st louis huh You know what's funny? Uh, no one ever thinks to come here, which is a bummer because it, it has some some amazing things about it. But I recently went to Denver and I bought my flights separate because it was cheaper that way. 
And I got like a credit for like coming to St. Louis. I'm like, oh, homie, I'm just coming back home. But thanks, you gotta, uh, <laughs> thanks for coming. It's a the, thanks for coming back home. Hey, I enjoyed my time in in, in St. Louis. I don't pretend to know a lot about it, but yeah, uh, it was very welcome, and I did it even without the voucher. So <laughs> <laughs> we, I always like to joke that we are a baseball a baseball town with a drinking problem. Oh boy, I've yeah. uh, I've lived in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin for a bit. And there's some crossover there. I am very sure. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Um, something rather than nothing. Art and philosophy show. Uh, Bex, tell us your thoughts about what you think art is. What is art? I feel like art is any form of expression that has a need to to connect with others. It's communication. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I feel like, yeah. I mean, I think about how so many stories have stood the test of time because like they were oral, you know, traditions and, and fairy tales or, or, you know, like leyendas or yes, definitely. Like, I feel like it is because I also think that, for example, the legend of La Llorona, uh, that is art because there's been it's been the muse to so many different like films about it. Um, you know, there was recently this Guatemalan version of La Llorona that was amazing because it, the, not to give anything away, but you find out that like the, the spirit was indigenous and the violence that was like inflicted on her and why she's like pissed off. And it's just like, yes, this checks out. Right. Um, beautiful film, highly recommended. I, I do, I do think that communications is art. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, I, 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 I like that. And I love that with them and just a lot of the stories, you know, that, that we talk about and, and that we tell and especially in, in your show and, and, and again, uh, with East spooky, um, it's nice to sit back and, and, and to listen to art of storytelling. And, uh, you know, I think with, with your background, with, you know, aspects of doing the technical, uh, pieces in creating that art and then, you know, having the space to, um, tell your own stories and, and everybody, just so you know, uh, Bex has, uh, a, a Patreon of which, uh, I'm I'm a patron on there with uh, a lot of a lot of great stuff. Um, so, highly recommend that. What 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 is your name listed uh, on the uh, Patreon, Bex? I think it's Bex B Casting. If I'm yeah, not Bex B Casting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's it's funny. Uh, I put my entire like podcast catalog on there because I also I don't know like I think that artists should be able to take back their work if they don't feel like people are going to appreciate it. I, and maybe that's, maybe I'm wrong, but that's the way that I feel about it. You know, I, I also feel like y'all didn't appreciate it the first time. Let me take it back. And maybe if I decide y'all are worthy, I'll give it back. (laughs) Um, I, I'm very much giveth and taketh away, but no, I, I am excited because, um, one, I do feel like the show has more purpose now and I can sort of like pop up the episodes in a way that feel more authentic. Like eventually when I'm feeling everyone's deserving, I have a really great uh, conversation with the founders of Fortaleza Tequila, which is the Sousa family after they sold the company in the seventies. And uh, because, you know, tequila is a small place. Everyone knows everyone. My mom, um, you know, 
was maybe like closer to 20 years older than Niermo, who is the founder. And so she has memories of him running around as a little kid, you know? They're great people. They make amazing tequila. Please go and support if you haven't tasted it. It's tequila that's been made the same way it was made 150 years ago. So it's good stuff. Incredible. I um one one of the things uh one of the things I wanted to um oh actually I wanted to mention one thing I had it written down um a podcast that I've been on uh just recently did um uh. A short episode on agave, which drops into some of the history there, and that's the Rooted podcast. You might enjoy that. Um, really, really cool episodes um, about plants, their history, and some of the cultural background to it. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Bex, I want to jump. I want to jump to something else. I wanted to tell you about it. Uh, I was uh, just quickly on the the Catholic piece and in, in ghosts. I uh, I grew up in Rhode Island, and there's a lot of uh, Portuguese folks. Um, Grew up around a lot of my friends are Portuguese, uh, and uh, it was always incredible to me the the prominence of uh, the miracle at Fatima for them, where the under under this miracle or uh, described to be a miracle, the Mary appears uh, to these girls up on Fatima, and it was such a prominent thing. Like it was always displayed in all the homes there, and um, always just kind of like resonate in my head, like the ghostly aspects you know, of, uh, of Catholicism and of spirit and how central that is. I'm sure we could do an episode or two about, (laughs) about that as, as, as a whole. But when, when I listened to your shows and heard it come up, there's a, I, I connect to two elements of Catholicism. One is the spookiness. And the second is actually my, my belief. If you look in the doctrine, uh, that, that comes, uh, out of the church when it comes to working people and stewardship of the environment, they're actually pretty radical statements. And it gets back to, you know, what it is that is actually, you know, a message within, you know, that that's helpful of, you know, trying to stop the rampages of, you know, unfettered capitalism and, and respect working people, you know, um, but uh, so so anyways, I, there's there's pieces of me that like kind of like haunt me in that way that still like inform me. Um, and, and do you have that kind of relationship with it where it's like because of that deep familiarity of growing up with it, you end up kind of having this weird fascination with it all? I It's interesting you mentioned that because I have been thinking a lot about um, reading all of the the scripture, if you will, because I, it's been a long time. My mom used to do Bible school, like with us when we were kids. And I know that I didn't get the most out of it. She used to kind of, she used a kid's Bible with like the most terrifying, like imagery, but no, I, there's certain things I just can't leave. Uh, but I would like to argue the respect of the working people, but why do we have to be working at all? Because it benefits the Catholic church if we are working just as it benefits capitalism. But that's yeah. neither here nor there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but cause like um, we mentioned before, like my dad is a union guy and my dad is one of those people. He will be working forever. It's just ingrained in him, you know? Uh, and I think that a lot of people who have union jobs kind of have that same mindset. They have a hard time leaving. Uh, I think the need 
well, for everyone to have respect in their workplace, right? But I feel like for union folk, like, their job because becomes so much of their life. Yeah. And so it's almost just like you, you really do need and should demand that respect because it's like you're giving so much of yourself, like – um, was your, was your father a union guy? No, my father's, uh, wasn't, I don't come from a union tradition, uh, at, at all. My dad's kind of an independent, you know, smart sure. aleck pain in the ass. I'll tell you one thing though, about my dad, which is fascinating to me. My dad would always stick up for himself and his coworkers without any protections. Like I always viewed my dad, like in retrospect as like a, like in a non-union shop, the steward. I, I've looked at him uh, uh, that way. My uncle was a uh, my uncle was a teamster. My grand my gramps uh, was was a truck driver uh, as well. So um, not direct, but uh, around it enough. And sure. my uncle, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's so interesting how the culture of like different jobs and like you know what is accepted like let me know if this is maybe something you don't relate to, but something that took me a while because my dad, like I said, he worked at the Ford plant and there was the union hall that was not that far from like where they worked. And it was just like a clubhouse for them. Like they would all yes. go get drinks and stuff. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, yes. Yes. And, it, and so it's just like the culture too, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's very hard. It's hard labor. I, it get, you know, you, I have to give up a lot of yourself, your time with your, with your family to really work and thrive in this environment, you know? And, uh, and I think that kind of like going back to like, it's because a lot of people have that mindset that, you know, the work is their life. And I wonder where that comes from. Right. Because I very much, because being the artsy one in the family, I'm just like, I work to live. I don't live to work. or And, and that's something I'm actively trying to chip away at. You know, uh, because I do think about like, you know, a lot of my ancestors, like, yeah, they had the the day to day, like, you know, things you have to do to like thrive and survive. But it's also like they had downtime, you know, and and I don't feel like they necessarily felt guilty in the same way I feel guilty when I don't. Maybe they did. I don't know. But I don't know. Well, it's 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 a it's a deep it's a deep conversation. And I've you know, you you mentioned about, you know, being you know, being the artist and seeing a different way to it. And I think, you know, it's been extremely strange uh, for me in the sense of, you know, doing the the union work. Uh, And I think I could say compulsively, excessively, but also with an eye towards breaking, you know, from that work in another identity or another part of myself, which, which is artistic. And for me, I know that's connected back. I, I know for me intellectually, that's connected to, like the romantic aspects of Karl Marx has to do with the fact that our mind gets so polluted um, by the system, no matter what role we have within it. And he's talking about what humans are capable of doing is writing amazing poetry of doing plays of being productive workers and not all frilly, but being true expressions of themselves. And that's for me, where always like the power was because I keep talking to artists and there's almost so much shit that's in the way for everybody. Right. Like why do I feel weird for 
for laying out in the sun for a half hour. And I obsess over it. It doesn't happen all the times. But why, I, why would I feel weird to begin with? Like, you know, doing something that's good for myself. There's some, yeah, there's some really uh, deep, deep issues in there. I appreciate that. Yeah. May we all be unlearning the things that don't serve us, you know? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So um, uh, another question connected to art uh, about the role of art. Um, I asked this recently in the sense of uh, times for a lot of people seem to be changed. People uh, with the, the impacts of the, of the environment, uh, climate change, or, or, or maybe even just within um, – you know, social issues, feeling more strained or politics being intense. Is, is art more important now or the, or, or has the role of art changed or is, is art still, you know, arting? I think art is still arting. I think the thing that I, I have a lot of sadness that a lot of people who create art can't do it on their terms because the reality is, is like, to be able to really commit your life to art and really make the art you want to make, you would need, you know, like someone to really sponsor you and like have you, you know, provide for your lifestyle and stuff and be like a patron the way that like back in the days that they were. And we have that, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm very fortunate that I have enough content that I can collect in a place like Patreon and people find my content worth paying for. Like, that's amazing. Uh, but I feel like for a lot of people, they don't even have the time to slow down to make the art they want to make. And, you know, I, I'm always like rooting for the people who have this little side hustle art project and then it like blows up. Um, there's a company here locally uh, called Glamgoria and they do like horror, like bath bombs and lotions and just all of these fucking cute ass shit. Like, you know, it's, it's uh they have this, black Phillips spray that I absolutely love and because it's very natural smelling and it, and that's the thing. I love vanilla. I'm a, like a warm vanilla sugar bitch. From <laughs> Bath and body works. I don't know if you know what that means. Oh, like, I sure do. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I love vanilla fragrance things and theirs is like mixed with peppercorn and it's just this very like delicious spicy natural thing and i'm just like oh my god i love this and so yeah but they they started as a sort of a side hustle thing and then they like blew up and now it's like her full-time gig you know and i and i think that the thing is is that not everyone has the resources or the the time or sometimes even like the commitment because having to struggle with those other things in the hierarchy of like self-actualization, you know, makes it more difficult. So I am very aware of that because some people just don't have the time, but I think we should be grateful for the art that we're getting, but sometimes art for a lot of people seems like extra or like a, a commodity. And I really do think that it's, it's a way of finding a way that, you know, your soul can communicate if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, I, I've, I think, I think any space we can, you know, talk about that, and and I've been inspired by others who who talk about uh, doing art, really tied to mental health. You know, like yeah. I, I remember, like 
reading books early on is like, you know, like the basic message is like, you need to make your art or like, you need to be you, like your identity, who you are, your difference. Um, and I know with my identification as an artist, I think the weird ass shit in my personality, I'm more comfortable with it. Like there's space for it. It's being like, I'm being an artist. I'm trying to express. And it's a very strange, uh, dynamic but um that's you know going back into that identity piece i guess i didn't ask you exactly um in referring to yourself as an artist when was that moment when you said or you realized you're like oh i'm an artist uh when i was like five and my parents gave me watercolors for the first time and i opted to color inside of the closet ah i think that's when i realized i'm like risk taker i'm a risk taker (laughs) (laughs) but it's a delicate it's a delicate uh type of paint Uh, yeah, I remember very, very little. And I don't know, maybe that just describes me. I've always just been someone who does what they're not supposed to do. Um, maybe it's because it's more enticing. I don't know. Uh, you know, and that isn't to say that like, I'm out here like causing harm and painting in closets to this day or, or hurting people, but I've just always been curious by what art is, you know? And, and I think that like, in my head, in my little five-year-old head, I was like, I want to see what this looks like in the closet, you know? And so, like, I feel like my whole life has been like, I want to see how to make that happen. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm i hot off of just seeing the premiere of the um, uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, mm. uh, and I got to tell you, just generally, not telling anything about the story, it's like... It's like an art orgy. Like it is unbelievable. Like dripping paint, cut-ins, animation styles. I was I walked out of there. I'm like, I wanna I wanna at least come in contact with people who like threw in on this <laughs> on this magic. <laughs> I walked out. I was like, "Holy shit!" That was like a massive, brilliant film school experiment. But I, but it's popular culture. I was pleased, is what I would say. I have to be honest. I am so out of the loop of like superhero movies. Like I, I think the last Spider Man I saw were the Tobey Maguire ones. Well, let me t- let me tell you this, Bex. Just so you know, because yeah. it, it, it it just. Uh, just just as far as the aesthetics of of these two movies that are that are animated what was brilliant what people really reacted to is that you would have the different art styles of these different types of uh, of spider-men or or spiders right so you would have like a manga style one you would have the noir uh spider-man from like Mm -hmm. the 30s and they were integrated in the same spot and there's so much playing with um, frames and like walls that are colored paint that reflect the motion. It's just this massive uh, play with this um, with this animation that is just I just find it spellbinding, uh, you know, visually. Um, so anyways, uh, that that I've just coming off hot off that. And I was like, that was that was art fun. Like when we get down to it, you know, like art fun. That makes sense. Yeah. That's, that's something that's definitely 
out of being so out of the loop, that would be a lot more digestible. I feel like I just put that on and smokable and like, let's just watch this artistic masterpiece. Yeah. I, uh, it made me think of, um, there was this movie loving Vincent, which was, I think still the mm-hmm. only film that was, uh, painted individual paintings. So it was pa- painted in the style of Van Gogh, the entire movie and each still was an individual painting over like 200,000 paintings. Yes, I so I haven't seen the film yet, but I am familiar with it and it's on the list of stuff to watch. Yeah. But I think yeah. that I've always just enjoyed Van Gogh and so the idea that someone was making paintings of all of his paintings to like make this whole story about him just sounds really cool. So Yeah. You're a horror movie uh, freak too, right? I do really enjoy horror movies. I I mean I like all different types of movies, honestly. I just lately I find myself so busy. I don't, I prefer to commit to a TV show. Cause you can always like check out. They're like, hey, <laughs> or like an, uh, you know, a film you have to commit the long ongoing experience, but yes, I, I do love movies. Yeah. I uh, really, really enjoy that on the show. Um, recently I've had, um, uh, Susie block from a series that was horror in the high desert. Um, and, uh, Blair Bathory talking a lot about a found footage. I love found footage horror. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. Like, okay. I, I just, I completely trip out uh, on that. Okay. Big question, Bex, big question. Uh, why is there something rather than nothing? Because I've always been the person who believes that you should just know a little bit about everything versus nothing about nothing, you know? And so I, I really believe that it makes you a more well-rounded person to know something, you know, rather than nothing about anything. What, how does that phrase go? Uh, a jack of all traits and a master of none. Yeah. But people always forget. Um, it, it ends with, uh, to, it's better to be, um, a master of many or, uh, or than a master of one or something like that. Or to know of many than be a master of one. or It's something like that. And I just think about that a lot, you know, because there are so many people, like, who decide, like, I'm going to do this one thing. You know, I'm going to be a doctor or whatever. And maybe they're very well-rounded and they know so much about so many other things. But I feel like sometimes there aren't those people, you know. There's the people who just, like, this is it. And I'm just, like, you know, I, I find it so amazing that people are so fascinated by medicine and make it their whole life. But I could just never be that type of person that only knows about one thing, you know? I, 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 um, on, on that, on that point, Bex, I really connect to that. I mean, I think it's curiosity and, you know, even just chatting with you, I really appreciate the ability to, to, to drop around to quite a, you know, quite a few topics that we do, but it was even a philosopher's quote that's like, just kind of like stuck in my head because it's, it's, the opposite of me and I never saw it as a goal, but I understand what he's saying. Soren Kierkegaard said the purity of heart is to will one thing. And that was very much in a spiritual, spiritual sense and a religious sense. Um, so I've always been thought about that. It's like, what is it to will one thing? Like I understand the power of it and the passion within it, but my brain, like I, I would just say that my brain is not even structured for that for that enterprise. So I've always been fascinated by it. And I think it's kind of what, what we're talking about is like, you know, that curiosity where you can go deep and then move on to something else and, and, and go deep. And, um, 
I, I, th- I think it's just so fun to do. That's why I keep yeah. doing it. And I'm sure that's why you keep doing it too. It is. And I wanted to, so the full phrase, I looked it up because I was just like, well, how does it go? Yeah, uh, yeah. Jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. And I, yeah. I do relate to that because I feel like, um, you know, where I'm at now, I've been very fortunate to plant a lot of seeds in a lot of different aspects of my life and my career because I did radio for, for you know, so long. And then I was like, I never want to just feel like it could all be ripped out from under me, you know, and yeah. that's sort of how I felt after that experience. And so I started sort of like looking into just magic stuff just as a hobby. And I started editing like podcasts sort of as a hobby at first. And then like, you know, it became like a skill. And then, you know, with the, the spiritual stuff that I was doing, the witchy things that I was learning, like I ended up like creating a tarot deck and then started being a tarot reader. And so sometimes I travel and like do events or like, I also will read at shops and you know, like I, what this is all to say is like, I've just been able to have all of this knowledge on so many different things that at first it felt so like hindering to me because especially when I would work, look for work, even though all of these skills were like transferable, they'd be like, but you've only really done this before. Sure. Sure. And then, and then the problem became, Oh, well you've done a lot of different things. So we don't understand you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it's, uh, I don't know. I feel like in just being authentic to myself and just being like, I'll figure it out. You know, um, I've always had my back, whether, whether I make the best decisions at times and we have to face the consequences, that's neither here nor there, but I've always been able to figure it out. And, uh, I'm very fortunate in that aspect because, you know, I've had friends who have lost jobs and just been without work and just been, and sometimes by choice, because you do need that time to decompress, but, you know, just been very impacted by like, I don't really know what my next step is. And I guess I'm in a place where right now I'm just like, well, what do I want to do? Because I have a lot of options. Yeah. <laughs> that's a nice feeling sometimes, you know, when you, especially when going for so long feeling like, do I have any skills that are beneficial? And sometimes it just takes time, you know, to really appreciate. Well, and display them, you know, as an artist too, is to display them out because you know that the, that, that they're worthy. Right. And so when you know that you put them out and uh, yeah, it's, it's great to hear you talk about tarot. I have um, a standard tarot deck long been fascinated. Um, I have two uh, other interesting decks. One is um, garbage pail uh garbage pail kids <laughs> oh my i shouldn't be surprised but that's awesome you actually um it's everything if 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 you if you appreciate these things it's everything you would want it to be the other one uh i have which is just gorgeous actually the probably the most gorgeous deck i've ever seen uh asia frost um, and she had done this book, uh, indigenous healers called you are the medicine and the cards that came out of this, uh, were designed by Steph Littlebird, who's, and, and I got to tell you, this deck is just plain beautiful. And what's it's embedded within the book in the concept that, you know, you are the medicine within you, you know, within you. And it's obviously more complicated that, but within you, um, you have the ability to heal yourself and others. Um, so I actually saw that deck that I just mentioned uh, 
by by Frost and Little Bird at Barnes and Noble uh, the other day. So maybe folks can pop around and see it. So um, love that tarot deck. Oh my God. It sounds beautiful. And I think that that's something I'm fortunate that, you know, I think we're all fortunate to have is so much more access to things. You know, I think about when I was younger and if you wanted to get a tarot deck or this or that, it was going to be less likely to be at, you know, your local bookstore. It was going to be at like a little grimy metaphysical shop and metaphysical shop. Yeah. And you probably had to dig around, you know, in the books and try and find something and, you know, I, I do love that people are in whatever way they, they feel fit, you know, trying to seek out things that help give them purpose or power or, or what have you. Um, because I feel like it's, it's important to figure out what connects you to not only yourself, but to the world around you. And it's different for different people. Yeah. Well put. Um, uh, Bex, everybody, Bex Carlos here. Um, Bex, where where do, where do folks find you? Find your stuff, and I know, given our previous conversation just now, there's you know different spots to look. But but tell folks how to how to encounter you, your art, uh, tarot, etc. Yeah. Uh, so if you are interested in working with me, uh, I am a podcast like editor producer. I do a bunch of different audio work. So if you have a story to tell, I can probably help you tell it. Um, you can find that information on my website. I also do like tarot like readings virtual ones so if you're ever interested in that by all means that's on my website as well schedule an appointment um my podcast tutia bruja is pretty much everywhere that you find podcasts you can find me on instagram Uh, i have my own personal page which is like bexby casting but most of these days i'm on the tutia bruja page uh, I'm on TikTok and I feel like I don't know if you TikTok, but I kind of like it because you can learn so much and it's like the safe space in a sense to like just trauma dump. And I feel like that's sort of great about it. Like um, I have a friend who um, her mother uh, was Betsy Faria, Faria and uh, she was, Murdered in really uncir- really unfortunate circumstances. Yeah. Uh, they made like an NBC show about it. Uh, I really don't want to say the murderer's name, but like she has found a lot of power. Uh, my friend Mariah, like she posts a lot about just the process of healing, you know, because I to have to suffer such a horrifying like crime committed against your family and like the after effects. And, you know, that's one thing about true crime that really boggles me is like, People will watch and, and learn and, and do all this stuff, right? And to like learn more about the case. And then they have no compassion for the people who experienced it, which is such a shame. But I yeah. think that says something about like society as a whole. But uh, yeah, you can follow me in all those places. Follow Mariah. Um, yeah, thank you again for having me on, Ken. This has been such an amazing time. Yeah, uh, really appreciate you, Bex, and in, in, in that in, in, in what you do. Um, love the podcast and, uh, thanks for East spooky for, uh, bringing, bringing Bex on and, uh, just great stuff. Um, uh, everybody look, you can, uh, support, um, Bex and East spooky and other artists mentioned, uh, both have, um, uh, Patreons is a good way to get, get great content, early content, uh, special content for these shows and, uh, you know, an affordable way to, uh, to support your work so um keep doing what you're doing bex um uh really appreciate being able to talk about 
uh, labor Catholicism, uh, art, uh, your work, uh, audio, storyo, te- uh, storytelling, <laughs> etc. A real joy. Yeah, talking about unions, uh, all of it. Loved it. Great yeah. time. Thank you again. Thanks so much, Bex, and hope we chat soon. This is something rather than nothing.